What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's Offside Hockey Talk back in your ears, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk this season. We're sitting down doing another Atlantic Division preview with none other than David Dwork, who covers the team down in Florida, was at camp today doing the media day stuff. Uh, David, how's your evening going so far, my friend? Oh, it's lovely. Back covering hockey again. So, you know, life is good. Yeah, every episode now gets us closer to the opening day. And my co-host, as always, is Mr. D4, Mr. Dylan Fournier. What's going on, Dilly? Um, I have kind of a sore sore voice, I would say, from last night's concert. Uh, saw Post Malone. That was pretty cool. Uh, so I apologize for my voice in advance. Post Malone, <laughs> good man. Excuse. He could definitely be a hockey player. He eh? goes out, cracks three ribs, finishes his oh, yeah. one concert, keeps the tour going. This guy right here, man, he's the epitome of uh, of being a hockey player, man. Someone should sign him to a PTO or something. <laughs> he's a little, a little more grit like him on the squad. Uh, but want to let everybody know we are proudly brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Co.'s Puck Off Lagerdale, the absolute big beer for the big game or the big podcast. And the big one is right now sitting down with David to talk about the Florida Panthers. The big burning question that I see a lot of people talking about, there's two teams in the Atlantic people seem to think are going to slip mightily this year. One keeps coming up is the Florida Panthers because you never know what you're going to get with Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight between the pipes, whether it's an on or off year for Bob. And then, of course, losing Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, you bring in to Chuck. But I'm wondering for you, what do you think of this and where do you classify the Florida Panthers did they take a step forward, backwards, or did they stay linear? I think it's an interesting question. It's kind of like a layered response. I think perhaps they're not going to be as exciting of a regular season team. I don't think they're going to go out there and score five goals every night. I don't think you're going to see as much end-to-end hockey. And Paul Maurice did say today that you're not. he's not going to change styles, but he talked a lot about how during training camp, they're going to be working very close to the boards. They're going to be doing a lot of uncomfortable drills that maybe the players aren't going to have as much fun doing, but it's going to make them better in the long run. So I think the goal with this team and with the roster makeup is maybe cut back on the stuff that fans are going to enjoy the end to end rushes, you know, the highlight reel goals and all that fun stuff. And maybe muck things up a little bit, which is kind of what their downfall was last season. You saw in the first round against the Capitals, they started to kind of clog up the neutral zone. They started to push in a little bit further, uh, check a little bit harder, finish their checks uh, in both zones. And the Panthers could not generate. They couldn't cycle the way they did during the regular season. And then they got to the second round and Tampa just took it to another level and Florida got completely shut down. You remember they scored three goals in four games. Yeah. That's unbelievable for the team that led the league in scoring to basically get shut out in a, in a playoff series. Three goals in four games is an embarrassment. And anybody in that locker room will tell you so. Um, so to answer your question, are they a better team than they were last year? I think they're going to be a better playoff team than they were last year uh, for what it's worth. Now, yeah. I don't think – you know, when people look at the, the losses on this team, like, yes, Huberto and Weeder, the big losses, they talk about Sherratt. They talk about uh, Giroux. The Panthers were already a President's Trophy contending team before the trade deadline happened. Uh, they were already really good. Mason Marchment, he's another loss. He was out of the lineup half the season with injury. Duclair uh, this year, too. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just saying in terms of, like, what they lost from last year to this yeah. year. Um they're going to be a good team. There's still plenty of talent. They're, st- they're still one of the deepest teams, especially at center. When you think about the, they go from Barkov to Bennett to Anton Lindell, who one of the best and maybe unheralded rookies last season, yep. uh, playing center, 
somebody, you know, it's a tough position to play. Uh, somebody who's been referred to as baby Barkov down here just because of how good he is two way. And he's got some of those magic hands. Um, so I, I think that I understand where some of the thought is coming from and that the Panthers are going to take a step, step back, just looking black and white at the moves made this off season. But when you get into the details, I really don't think it's going to be that big of a difference in terms of, uh, in terms of how good they are win, win and loss wise. I don't think they're going to look the same as they did last year. Um, but I don't think they're going to suffer necessarily. I mean, they might not, might not score 120 points, whatever they did, but I, I don't think they're going to struggle to make the playoffs either. Yeah. Um, I just had a kind of a burning question. Um, now I look at night and I see him as a rising star himself. Do you think, um, over the course of this year, he takes the next step forward and taking over that net, uh, for, from Bobrovsky, or do you see, uh, kind of like a one, a one B, uh, type thing still? I am expecting, and, and you know, again, this is, this is my opinion, but what I'm expecting is more of a one, a one B situation, similar to what they did last year. I don't think they're really trying to push Knight to make him be that guy just yet. I think also they want to milk every ounce of talent that they can out of Sergey Bobrovsky and the yeah. four years, 40 million left on his deal. Yeah. Um, and look, they're right now suited better goaltending wise than they have been the last few years since Bob has come here. He's coming into his fourth year with the Panthers last year was by far his best season with the Panthers. Uh, he was probably their most consistent player in the postseason. Uh, you know, for all the struggles that Florida had in the playoffs, Bob was not one of them. Uh, and it was that way for much of the season. The way that I've judged Bob since he's been here uh, is not necessarily by statistics, but it's by what he does in the ice. Is he giving up cheap goals or not? Last year, he cut back on that significantly. Last year, he made a lot more danger saves, high danger chance saves than he had this first two years. So he was doing the things that you expect your starting goaltender to do. Um, uh, you know, he had a, he had his first uh, child before last season, and a lot of guys will say the dad bump will come into play. So we definitely had dad Bob uh, working for us last season. Um, I think the expectation is that you're going is the team is expecting to get the same Bob as they got last year, just because he works his ass off and the things that he did, like it's documented. It's not like it was just some, you know, flash in the pan lucky. He was challenging more. He was exercising a little bit easier. He wasn't pushing himself quite as hard off the ice. He said he was exercising smarter. Uh, so I think maybe he's also adjusting to being a 33 year old goalie now and you got to play things a little bit differently. Um, and, and as for Spencer Knight, he's entering the last year of, of his ELC, right? Uh, I don't think they're trying to rush anything with him, especially considering how much money Bob is making. I deal. I mean, look, if Spencer Knight goes out there and he's playing gangbusters and he's getting, you know, he's playing one of every three or four games and he's getting shutouts and giving up one goal, he's going to get playing time. Like if yeah. he's going to demand, if he's going to play that good, they're going to play it. I, you know, it's common sense. But I think they're happy to take it slow with him, just like last year. Like he was fine last year. I, he remember he was twenty years old. Mm -hmm. So for a twenty-year-old goalie in the NHL, a lot of people he, forget that fact. Yeah, well, it's exactly. And the same with the, the guy I mentioned before, Anton Lindell. These guys are barely old enough to drink right now. Uh, <laughs> it's going. They have the luxury of taking it a little bit slow with them. And I think with Knight, the way the goaltending situation has played out, that the ideal thing would be like a sixty-thirty. You know, like a. Uh, 55 30 type uh type split something like that at 85 games you guys get what i'm saying yeah, oh yeah um i think you know if they can get bob similar to what they got last year which i mean i'm with you until i see it i'm skeptical even after the great season that he had last year that's just one out of three and he's yeah. older now than he was when he got here so yeah. you know certainly i need to see it first 
But the ideal situation would be for Bob to get the majority of the starts, for Knight to kind of work his way, still get used to the NHL, improve, work with goalie coach Rob Tallis off the ice, learn from Bob. I mean, for for everything that Sergey Bobrovsky struggled, uh, he's still one of the hardest working guys off the ice. Uh, he knows how to take care of his body. I think he's learning a little bit differently now, just as he gets older and your body changes, he's adjusting with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Spencer Knight goes out there and he's just, you know, he's giving up one goal out of three games and he's just playing lights out, which is what they expect of him eventually. Yeah. And he's going to take, take over. It's just, they're going to let that dictate. But ideally, like I said, I think uh, they'd like to see Bob get the majority of the starts. Now to play devil's advocate. So, so Spencer Knight goes out and blows the doors off this season. Obviously you still have three more of Bob at 10, $30 million tied up in his space. Say Spencer Knight really does start to come into his own and really should command the crease by that play. Do you think the Florida Panthers look to move Bobrovsky to free up that cap space and, you know, give Spencer Knight more of a reign in the crease? Or do you want this situation to stay the way it is because it gives Spencer Knight kind of a security blanket if things go rough? you can put Bob into that position and allow Spencer Knight to play his way back to where he wants to be. I think in that situation, like you're talking about we're, we're looking at next season now and yeah. Spencer Knight's the guy. So what yeah. do you do with Bob? I, I think you don't want a $10 million backup. Uh, no matter how much you can rely, like you can get a reliable backup for 3 million, 4 million. Like there are some really solid goaltenders that are getting paid. I mean, comparatively, you know, a lot less. Yeah. Um, so I think if, if they're, if they're looking at Spencer Knight, if he's the guy, and also, yeah, like, like I said, he's getting his, he's getting his first, uh, his first non-entry level deal next year and granted he'll be RFA. So it's not going to be anything crazy, but you don't want to tie up, you know, 13, 15 million in your goaltending situation when the majority of it is sitting on the bench. Uh, you have to hope that there, usually there's a situation where there's one or two teams that are willing to take on salaries you know, just, you know, whether it's an Arizona type situation or, you know, <laughs> Chicago or what, you know, whoever might be struggling, whoever might be rebuilding at, the, at that time. Yeah. Um, so there may be options. Um, it's going to be tough no matter what. It's it's going to be a tough situation for Bill Zito. He's been great since he took over as GM two September's ago. Um, I mean, look, look at this team. There's like, what, three guys left from when he took over. Uh, Barkov, Ekblad, and Bob, the only ones that are left that when he took over. A team's yeah. had that much turnover in two years, and yet they've gotten better and better. So, you know, Bill Zito, for his credit, if there's a way to pull it off, I think he will. But that's the kind of thing where it's not like there's going to be people knocking down your door to make a move. It, it would be a tough situation. Um, it would be maybe not the worst situation just because on the plus side, it means your goalie of the future is your goalie of now. Go, yeah. is, so, you know, there's always that silver lining. But, I mean, either way uh, – However, the goalie situation shakes out over the next few years, you would think that there's going to have to be some juggling. No, there definitely is. And I mean, to get rid of Bogrovsky, if you have to at that point in time, you know, and I'd say get rid of him in tongue in cheek, so to speak, because obviously he's still a good goaltender. But uh, you probably add, you know, you look at the Maple Leafs did with a guy like Marlowe or other teams, moving players, you know, future considerations come to mind and, you know, attaching picks and stuff like that. But I look at the situation now and I say, yeah, Spencer Knight, probably this season will show that he wants to take that next step, and then it'll be up to whatever Florida wants to do with the next year after that if they want to trust him or run one more year. But we all know with the cap squeeze, sometimes, you know, look at the fact that you may be able to free up $10 million in cap space, or even if you pay, you know, Spencer Knight for per year, $6 million extra in your pocket if you get rid of Bob's number. I mean, that's huge this day and age, right? So that may be something to look at too. 
And um, this year, just on that note, the Panthers yeah. have like six million bucks tied up in dead cap this year from between the buyouts of Keith Yandel and Scott Darling. That number yeah. drops to one and a half million next year. So this they're really in a tough situation this year between the dead cap and what they've got on the roster. So it things will get a little bit easier for them, but the goalie situation is gonna play a part. Damn, I, just, will be. I just realized that Yandel's enjoying retirement quite well. With oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's back down here in South Florida just living it up. Oh, no, yeah. absolutely. Why wouldn't he, right? I mean, he deserves, I know what Keith Yandel is a great guy, one of my absolute favorite guys that I've interacted with covering the team. Um you know, obviously, you know, the way his career ended, you know, the Ironman streak ending kind of sucked mm-hmm. for him. But I mean, I think if anybody's going to enjoy retirement, it's going to be Keith Yandel. I hope he gets into something, whether it's podcasting or broadcasting or something. He's just such a funny, charismatic guy. Like he's got he's so, so much to offer and he knows hockey. Like he oh, really, absolutely. You know, he's a very, very good hockey player. So I, I hope we see more of him. I loved him on Spit and Chicklets episode, the recent one. Where yeah, that's where I can kind of see him going. He's part of that crew, you know. Yans is part of that. So we'll see him go that probably that route with that group, something that, that way anyways. Um, for me, though, can we talk for just a second? Think about Yandel retiring. That day was Yandel. It was yesterday. Yandel, Subban, Chara. It's like, you know you start to feel a little old because you've watched these guys play and now you're like, these guys are leaving. It's like, Whoa, these are guys that have been around for a while. So in the Subban case to me, I really thought that he was going to go to a different team, you know, go terrorize the league one more, two more years. But I guess his only options he wanted from what's being reported is to go to the Habs or the Leafs and both teams said no. So, I mean, uh, uh, good on him, I guess, going out on his own terms the way he wants to. If he can't be where he wants to be, he's yeah. not just going to go collect a paycheck. But absolutely crazy to see three kind of pillars of defense throughout the years yeah. gone in one day. The question yeah. I got for you for the Panthers is um, Paul Maurice comes in. Brunette did a great job last year, um, at least by an outsider's take on it. But yeah, Paul Maurice came in. We talked a moment ago about, you know, playing a different style game, playing a heavier game, you know, not just run and gun offense and cycle. Um, Why do you think they made that change? And is it just solely what happened in the playoffs? Was that all they needed to see? Or was this something that probably was going to happen regardless of the outcome, unless it was a Stanley Cup? Yeah, I think that that's kind of, they kind of go hand in hand. I think what happened in the playoffs maybe uh, expedited, maybe poured a, a bit of gasoline on the fire. You know, if if the playoffs would have ended a little bit differently, then maybe you know they wouldn't have been as prone to leaning towards making a change. But I think it also has to do with Paul Maurice being available and wanting to come here. It wasn't just like one of those situations. Like he picked Florida as where he like what he was saying today. Like he wanted to go somewhere. He didn't want to just take another job. He wanted to go somewhere where he felt that he could become a better coach. And he thought coming here to a situation, not just with a roster built like Florida's, but with a GM like Bill Zito, who's very hands-on, constantly asking questions, constantly asking, what can we do to get better? How do we find the answers that we don't already have? I think just the whole collaborative situation uh, is something that really attracted Paul Maurice to Florida. And I think Florida wanted to get somebody, clearly with Paul Maurice, you're getting somebody who's been in the NHL coaching for 25 years now. His first coaching job was on a team that doesn't even exist anymore. His first coaching job was the Hartford Whalers. Yeah. Just I mean, when you think like, holy, oh, yeah. holy S word. Like he's been in the league that long and talked about feeling old. Like they were playing brass bonanza. So now you got a guy, 
you know, he's been to the final. Granted, it's been almost 20 years, but he's been to the final. He's been to the conference final with Winnipeg. Uh, and somebody who, how often does a coach in any sport leave voluntarily, leave on their own terms? Other, Especially if you take out retirement, to recognize the situation, to say, look, this is, team should be better. We're not, there's a disconnect. They need a better voice. I need to step out. It's what's best for everybody. Like that takes a level of self-awareness and maturity that you just, it just, it's unheard of because those jobs are so coveted. They're yeah. so hard to get that guys are going to hold on to it for dear life. No matter whether they're doing great, whether they're doing poorly, like you just, you don't give up. You hold on to that job. And Paul Maurice, he's looking for something very specific. And this is a guy, you know, like I said, he's been to the final once he's conference final. He doesn't want to stay in cup either. So he's feeling that same hunger that this Panthers team is feeling, just like Matthew Kachuk. He's a new arrival, but he's failed in Calgary in the playoffs the last few years too. So those flames are hungry. Huberto goes there. He's on, everybody wants to win right now. I think uh, that's kind of Paul Maurice came here. He saw something. He saw whatever the Panthers were doing last year. And he said, I can take that and make it better. And yeah. we're going to start seeing him implement that. And I think that's what he was telling us about today. This is how I'm going to do it. This is why we're going to be a better playoff team. And uh, we'll see if uh, if it is the good fit that they're they're certainly selling it as a good fit. We'll see if it, how it plays out over the next few months. Well, an answer, yeah, an interesting caveat here too is we talk about the goaltending situation just a moment ago. What did he do for Connor Hellebuck's career? You know, when he was in Winnipeg and how he made him more structurally aware and all those different things that went into it with the defense and the way they played. So that could really play into Spencer Knight or even Sergei Bobrovsky. You know having a better season, especially if they're playing better towards defense and leaning towards a heavier game and breaking up the cycle in their own zone and all those good things that Paul Maurice can bring, you know, he probably recognize that and that will elevate those guys game as well. For me, the, the big question, I guess, is, you know, you look at Paul Maurice coming in, taking over from Andrew Burnett and you just have to wonder what is the vibe, I guess, with the players that are still there, you know, did they, foresee this themselves i mean you were around a little bit did you see what was going on there um you know did they have a bad thing i guess not a bad taste in their mouth when brunette was let go because obviously um you know paul maurice wasn't brought in immediately but what was the vibe there for you i think it was look every everybody here understands that it's a business and that's you know like i was saying before about bill zito and his front office like there's a very open line of communication with everybody zito you know, he's one of the GMs, a rare GM that's actually going to be in the locker room a fair amount. Like he's with the players. He wants them to be able to talk to him. Like there's, there's not going to be any of those, like obviously a blockbuster trade, like we saw this summer is going to catch guys off guard. Yeah. But in, in terms of like these situations with coaching changes and stuff, uh, I think everybody understands Bruno was beloved. The players raved about him, even at the exit meetings last year, after that awful playoff series. The players really like Bruno and, you know, he, it's not that long that he's removed from his NHL career. So yes. you know, he's pretty much a player's coach. Um, but, you know, as, as we were just saying, there's a lot of hunger on this team. They want to win. They, they know it's a business and these moves are made with the goal, the only goal of winning a Stanley cup. And that's what they all want. So were, were there some sadness, some, some maybe, you know, hung down heads when Bruno was let go? Yes. They're, they loved him. But, yeah. you know, there, there's no disdain. There's no, like, anger towards the organization because at the end of the day, the players understand that the organization has their best interests in heart. They want them to win. Everybody wants to win. Uh, it's just one of those situations, much like the Huberto trade, where there's a lot of sadness to be had. There were connections, there were relationships. But at the end of the day, everybody's here for one reason, for the same reason, and that's 
to get your name etched on the cup and you know no you know no bad graces or anything like that but i think everybody just gets how it is and and it's very professional all the players that were asked about the trade today it was like you know friends for life like ekblad he lost you know one of his best friends in mckenzie yep. weaver and he lost the guy in jonathan huberto they drove to the to games every game together you know th this is how tight these guys were and you know ekblad said yeah buddies for life but you know this is a business we're here to win the ownership management they think this is what's best we believe in them they believe in us and let's go so yeah I, it's one of those things where this is and another reason why it's a good fit for paul maurice there's no drama here there's no egos that's a good thing yeah yeah that that's not what happens in south florida the, everybody that zito has brought in is a good character guy i think that's where it all starts there's talent across the league anywhere you can always find talent you want to find the right personalities. And that's something that Bill Zito has really put an emphasis on. And I think that's why it's such a mature locker room and why they can handle these swings. Yeah. No, that's interesting to hear. And great to hear, to be honest with you. We look at this team this season and we say, okay, the Florida Panthers, we expect them to be, at least I do anyways. And same thing with the Maple Leafs and the Bruins. Everybody's writing everybody off because of the moves they made in the offseason. I expect them to be the top echelon of the Atlantic division. I want to know for you on this team right now, is there some player that you think this season is going to have a large role, large impact that nobody is talking about? I don't mean Matthew to Chuck or, you know, because we, we know the impact he's going to have. It's going to be with the mouth. It's going to be with the hitting. It's going to be with the points and all those things that we talked about Florida kind of needing. We know he's going to do that. But is there somebody you're picking out there? You're going to say this right here. If he hits or this guy hits, this is going to be amazing. Yes, I do. Um, and I, it's a two-part answer. I've got one guy that I absolutely see as a breakout player. And then I have two names that I'm very curious to see how they apply in the Florida system. Anton Lundell is my guy that I think is going to – I don't know how much people are talking about him around the league. He did show up on the Calder ballot, deservedly so. Um, <clears throat> but, no, this is a guy who would have been playing in a top six role on most teams. Uh, just because he was such a good two-way center with the offensive upside. Like you just, you didn't talk about him that much because a, he was only getting like 12, 13 minutes of ice time as a third line guy. Yeah. Um, I think his role is going to grow. I think you're going to see him maybe a little bit more special teams this year. Um, and he's just got so much talent, very mature player. He's another one of these guys that was playing, he's playing in league before he came to the NHL. So we kind of had an idea of what it was like to play with men um, much like, you know, Barkov who's, you know, been taking him under his wing. Um, so Anton Lindell is definitely the first name that popped in my head instantly. Um, now curious, uh, Colin white, another former first round pick, another guy with lots of talent. You've seen this, uh, recipe work in Florida with Carter Verhage. You've seen it work with Anthony Duclair, Sam Bennett, guys that maybe weren't producing to the expectation. They come to Florida, you surround them with talent. Suddenly they start to grow confidence. They start to let, let their abilities take over. Anthony Duclair is such a great example. Like yeah. untapped potential was the name of his career. Then he showed up in Florida. He loosened up. He started using his speed and just playing his game. And now he's become what a lot of people thought he would when he was a first round pick. Um, and again, on Colin White and the other guy is uh, Rudolph's Balsares. Bal Bal I, I always want to say Balsares for some reason. <laughs> um, Balsares from San Jose, another guy. He's just 25, I think. Uh, has shown some really flat, uh, like really hot flashes of offensive skill, but never really been surrounded with the kind of talent he's going to be surrounded with in Florida, whether he's on the second line or third line or whatever. These are guys who I'm really curious just to see when they get an opportunity with some really good guys around them, maybe a little less pressure on them. 
to see if they can flourish the way other guys have in this, in this environment in South Florida. Um, so yeah, it's those it's Lundell for sure. And then it's white and Balsares on, on the new tip to see uh, how they respond to, to the Florida vibe. All right. All right. Um, I had a question now. I, I don't know much about the, the system uh, below the Panthers, but is there a prospect that nobody really has their eye on yet? And you could see maybe possibly coming up this year or even next year that you think will shine here in Florida. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few guys. I mean, I, I don't know how much just because Florida's prospect pool, their talent pool has been really somewhat depleted because they've given up so many futures to build the team that they have now. I think the two main names that pop out when you talk about like forwards that can maybe take the next step into the NHL would be uh, Grigory Denisenko, Florida's first round pick from a few years back. And then Alexi Heponiemi, a second round pick uh, from a few years back. Uh, both of them have gotten tastes of the NHL. They've been around training camps the last couple of years. Neither one of them has really taken that next step. Denisenko, to his part, he, he suffered a, a really bad knee injury last January. So his development was a little spurred in that way. He's back to 100%. He's going to be at training camp. Uh, he, well, he was there today. He'll be on the ice. Then he's somebody Heponiemi is another one. He got a little cup of coffee with the Panthers last year. He actually in a very cool fashion scored his first NHL goal in overtime against Detroit, which awesome. yeah, that was pretty cool for him. You don't really see rookies getting three on three ice time. So it was, it was a pretty awesome moment for him. Um, so those two, I'd say, you know, they'd may, maybe the next potentially to crack the roster um, in terms of down the line. Um, Justin Sardif, uh just came off of, two huge years in the WHL. Uh, he's going pro this year. He's probably going to start in the AHL. And, and yeah, you see guys, you know, it happens before where guys put up, you know, ridiculous numbers in juniors more times than not. doesn't always translate, but it does give you a reason to kind of be excited and to keep an eye on him. And, you know, for his credit, you know, I, I spoke to Justin last week at development camp and the things he was saying, he's like, I want to listen to my development coaches. I want to hear what they're telling me I need to work on. There's always something to improve on. Like he's very, very motivated to just work and get better. So he's got the right attitude. Uh, I'm curious to see how that develops. And then on the back end, um, I don't think this is a name that I think it's a popular name because he was so coveted out of college, but Matt Kirstead, uh, the defenseman, uh, went to Florida, signed with Florida, North Dakota a couple of years ago. Um, he's somebody who, again, he's gotten, you know, a little cup of coffee with the team, but, you know, being a young defenseman and defense being probably the hardest position to develop in hockey, uh, you know, you take your time. He's somebody who I'm very curious when we get to camp to see how much of a step forward he's taken this year. Um, he's somebody that, you know, the Panthers defensively, they could use some homegrown talent. They could use a little influx from the back end. So, uh, Kirstead would be a guy and, uh, you know, getting back to Keith Handel, Kirstead did change his number. He's now wearing number three. Uh, I saw him skating around wearing number three today. So maybe he'll get a little bit of that Yandel magic from uh, <laughs> the first half of his career. A little bit of the rub right there. That's all. Yeah, you never know. You never know what happens. Hey, man, Juju is a thing, man. I believe in it. Um, I want to know for you this season, before we switch gears and, and get your opinion here on the Toronto Maple Leafs, this season for the Florida Panthers, we, we are in a hockey hotbed with Toronto. Um, you know, failure is a thing that – seems to be hung on a hook here and basically to take it off, the Leafs have to do magical things this season for the Florida Panthers, for the fan base, what needs to happen for it to be dubbed outside of the Stanley cup, Stanley cup's the ultimate goal, but to be a successful season in fans eyes, what do the Florida Panthers have to do David to basically just win everyone over and let them know that the moves they made this off season, the coaching change, et cetera, 
were the right things to do to keep the fan base vibing and going the way you've been talking about? Well, I think you have to improve on last season. I think you have to at least reach a conference final is where we're at now. I think that's a reasonable expectation for this team. I don't think this is a Panthers team where you're just, we're a few years removed at this point from where you're just like, God, I, I hope we can make the playoffs this year. And I, I hope 95 points. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. But, and you know, it's been a long, long time to get to this point. And so I hope that Panthers fans, yeah, maybe it's a little bit more stressful, but enjoy that stress. It's a hell of a lot better than stressing out of whether you're going to be even be in a playoff chase, which there were some years that they were out of it by February, March. So this team, this franchise, this fan base, they've come a long way. So I think you've got to appreciate where you're at. But on that token, I think to feel satisfied that this season was a success, you have to at least reach a conference final. Uh, this is a team that's built that way. If their goaltending holds up like it did last season, I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be in that mix. And, and granted, the Eastern Conference and, and just the Atlantic Division is going to be a gauntlet. I'm, I'm really excited to see how this division is going to play out with the improvements in Detroit and Ottawa. You know, take that. Boston's always good. Toronto, Tampa, Florida, the, you know, they're your top teams probably. Like, And Montreal, you know, God will love them. Who knows what's going to happen with Montreal. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? They they were where Florida and Toronto and everybody else was, you know, not too long ago. They're climbing the ladder back up. They got some young talent they signed, so we'll see. I'm not going to sit here, even though I was a Leaf fan, I'm not going to sit here and bash on the the Montreal Canadiens. Let's uh, hope their fan base can uh, endure a year where they uh, probably bottom the standings. Because, you know, another hockey hotbed, they absolutely torch the players and media in one language or another. So it's, uh, it's never fun there. But, David, I want to ask you, the Toronto Maple Leafs, so we'll switch gears here from Florida Panthers over Toronto. Um, we just talked about it. Obviously, they need to make the second round. But that doesn't even seem to satiate the need for Leafs Nation where they need to go further. I want to ask you, look at this team from what it was last year to this year. Do you see – this is one of the teams that I've been seeing a lot online. People say they, they fall down the rankings now in the Atlantic Division because the goaltending is different. You know, the players he added up front may not be the greatest. Um, but a team with Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Willie Nylander, Muzzin, Riley, I mean, not a bad squad. But for you, does this team have what it takes to keep where they were last year and build on it? Or is this a team that will, like everyone says, take a step backwards? I mean, for me, it just it comes down to goaltending. Like that, yep. That's really all it is. Like I think that their roster is pretty stacked. Uh, you mentioned you just mentioned like, a ton of great forward talent that they have. You know, I like their back end between Muzzin and Riley. Uh, you know, uh, they still have Giordano, who's you know by you know still got some talent. Uh, no, I think it just comes down to goaltending. I mean, they're putting a lot. This is a this is a great team, and you're kind of handing it over to Matt Murray, who, I mean, he's won cups, yeah. but we haven't seen much from him in the last couple of years. He's been injured. You know, you know the talents there. I mean, that's a that's a big risk to take. Uh, for, you know, that, that's really the only question I have with the Leafs is, yeah. you know, what's going to happen. I mean, yeah, you brought in Ilya Samsonov, but I mean, you're not counting on him to be, to carry you to the postseason to carry you through the playoffs. Like, so that's really the only question. I think Toronto, just like last year, I think they're a wagon. I think they're going to be a very scary team to play. They can come at you in waves. Um, just the way that the Panthers can, they're just roll four lines and really come at you. Um, so for me, the only thing with Toronto is the goaltending. I love watching Toronto. I love, you know, the chemistry between Marner and Matthews last year was fun when they played together. I thought they were very complimentary when they were on the ice, whether it wasn't special. I mean, just thinking back 
to some of the things Austin Matthews did as I'm kind of rolling through some of the highlights <laughs> mentally. Like I, I'd be shocked if Toronto wasn't one of the top three. I, I really, the way that the Atlantic division is shaken out, it's still for me comes down to Tampa, Toronto, Florida. I, I just think like that's, that's a gauntlet right there. And Toronto should absolutely be in it. I, I, you know, really it's almost <laughs> like the curse or, you know, whatever you want to call yeah. it, the, the struggles like that, that plays a layer because like, why wouldn't they succeed? Yeah. Like last year, why wouldn't they succeed? And it's just like, well, cause it's Toronto and don't get me wrong. Like I, you know, yeah. look, I, I cover the Panthers. I get it. Um, but yeah, I, I really, if Matt Murray comes out and plays decent, I don't even think he has to play, you know, above and beyond. I think he just has to hold his own. Toronto is going to be such a good team. Like, they should be fun to watch. Nothing well, else. the crazy thing about last season, not a lot of people know about it. Out of the teams that made the playoffs, the Leafs had the second worst save percentage at 900. So, I mean, all you have to do is improve on that. But even still, they were a 115-point team. Yeah. So, I mean, really, where you need to improve is, just like you talked about the Panthers, is in the playoffs where it counts – and I think even you could probably attest the Leafs, at least in their bottom six, have gone out and addressed that with the Cali Yarn Croaks and the, the Abe Kubels. Zach Aston Reese is on a PTO, but we all expect that to turn into a real deal. It looks like they're kind of moving away from the older veteran type guys like the Simmons and the Cliffords and the Thorntons and the Spetses and turning it over to guys that can wheel and deal. And I mean, we all see. Jumbo Do- Joe down in San Jose skating again, <laughs> probably going to be in the Sharks lineup. Who are we kidding? But, you know, the Leafs look like they've done, you know, seen what they need to fix. And it was the bottom six. And, you know, whether a guy like Robertson or someone hits, I mean, that for us is is the magic bean. We're waiting to, you know, grow into this giant beanstalk of a player. It just hasn't happened yet, but it could be this year. But for you, what would you say – the one downfall for the Toronto Maple Leafs is and have they addressed it this off season or will it be another downfall for them this year? No, I, I mean, it, it's just what we were just talking about. It's the goaltending. Like I, I, I agree with you that they did a good job kind of for fortifying that depth. I loved the addition of Cali Yarncroak. He's been one of my favorite guys to watch the last few years. He's, I, I don't know why he's as underrated as he is. I, I love like watching the fact him. That you said that because when they signed him, I was so excited. I made a video about it. Everyone's <laughs> like, why are you talking about this? I was like, he plays center. He plays both wings. He's on the penalty kill. This, this guy's great. Yeah. No, I loved watching him in Nashville. I've just been waiting for his career to kind of take that next turn. What I was saying earlier about like the Colin Whites and the Balsers coming to Florida, I think that Yarncrow could have a similar turnaround, uh, or not turnaround, but maybe a similar bump in uh, in in productivity. I mean, granted, he's a little bit older at 31 years old, but 31 years old is still in that prime years range. It's on the yeah. back end of it, but you still should be performing at your highest levels at that point. I think he's coming to the Leafs at a great time. I think maybe just when you're kind of going through the names, something that really excited me. I'm not so much as a uh, Florida Panthers person, just because I think it made your team that much better, but I think it's going to make the games in between that much, that much more fun to watch, just like Florida Tampa games and, you know, Boston to a lesser extent. I think we can all agree that we're not Boston fans. Um, Nope. But but no, like it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for Toronto, but it just, for me, it just keeps coming back to the goaltending and it's really a head scratcher because like you said, 900 save percentage last year and still 115 points, still that formidable of a team. Why didn't they go out and just go gangbusters for goaltender? Like just seem, that's what I didn't understand. Like I would throw every cent I had 
based on the team being so yep. built already, go out and try to get somebody. Uh, and maybe there's something that they see that they know that none of us know that Matt Murray is ready to, to be that guy again. Yep. And for, yep. for his sake, I hope so. But Sorry. from my perspective, I, I'm, I want to see how it's going to play out. Oh, I can't wait to see how it starts playing. And one thing that I keep going back to with the Toronto Maple Leafs is the fact that they do have what seems to be infinite resources off the ice. So their medical staff is top notch. You know, all the different things they have. They have players come in to their organizations who are, let's just say, kind of broken. You look at um, Tyler Ennis when he came in with his hips. He got into Toronto early, so early, in fact, with the medical staff that the league was like, well, I don't know if he's allowed to be there to be getting the treatment from you guys at this point in time. It became a big snafu. Same thing with um, John Tavares and his skating. You know, they fixed him in different things that they did with him. Jason Spezza raved about the fact they made him feel rejuvenated, you know, the way that they got him back to being healthy and feeling good. So maybe, maybe that's the thing that we're missing here that they can bring that Matt Murray back and dial him in. I don't know. The familiarity is number one too. I think the amount of confidence that Dubis shines on, on Murray is outstanding. And it just says that, you know, I may have taken a risk here this off season with you, but you're my guy. You've been my guy in junior. And I think we can rejuvenate you to where you once were. No, that's, I mean, that's what it comes down to is how confident are you in your GM? Yeah. That's what I said earlier about Bill Zito. He's been here for a little over two years. And at this point, there's no reason not to trust what he does. It's like here in South Florida, we have a phrase called in Riley, we trust because anything that Pat Riley does for the Miami heat, you just shut up and smile and you know, it's going <laughs> to, it's probably going to work out. Gonna work. That, that's, you know, 20, 30 years of a track record that he's built on. And that's just in Miami. That doesn't even count what he did before coming to Miami. So in Riley, we trust is like written on money down here. Zito and a much smaller sample size has got that kind of trust. So it kind of getting back to what I, what I was originally saying in this is how much do you trust your GM yeah. that he's willing to put his name on the line for this goalie? So are you like, okay, ride or die? Like that, that's really what it comes down to. Well, it looks like Kyle Dubas is definitely ride or die because he doesn't have an extension in his pocket. And he went out and said, Matt Murray, you're my guy in my contract year. That's going to help me yeah. secure the bag here in Toronto for many more years. So we're all doing this one here in Leafs Nation. <laughs> it works out much like I'm sure Florida Panthers fans are, are hoping that the additions of the Chuck and everything that goes on there with Paul Maurice are the right additions as well to keep every organization rolling and churning to be the top three in the Atlantic, which is what we want. We just want Tampa to be number three this year. So we have some, some different fun. Tampa to be number six. They've had enough time. You know, <laughs> you well, know what? Let's be greedy. Let's, let's, you know, Tampa can chill. <laughs> Tampa can have, a, have an off year. You know what? Last time they had an off year, they went and drafted somebody pretty good. So let's just hope that uh, they don't yeah. get that luck again. The last time they had playoff adversity, they went out and won, what, three straight Stanley Cups or two straight Stanley Cups or whatever they did. So, yeah, you know. almost, almost made it three, you know, very yeah. shy of it. Three straight Absolutely finals. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Well, hey, you know what? That's what we're aiming for here for both of our teams. David, I want to thank you very much for taking the time, jumping on, talk about the Panthers, talk about the Maple Leafs. Uh, where can people find you, find your work, find what you do? Yeah. Um, first, thank you for inviting me. Uh, always love talking hockey. I was, I was a little worried that I was going to get I was gonna get ganged up on by the Maple Leafs uh, 
Maple Leafs Nation, but um, no, awesome chat. Different. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, you can find uh, all my daily coverage of the Panthers uh, at David's work, which is, let me see if I can get this right, right there, at David's work on Twitter. Um, Local10.com is uh, the website where I work. All my written my written work goes there, and I've got the Chirping the Cats podcast. You can find it wherever your podcasts are, Chirping the Cats. Just put up a new episode uh, yesterday night, actually, uh, training camp preview and talk to a few of the Panthers prospects during D camp. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's it. That's where I'm at. That's absolutely awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is here. This is where the Maple Leafs and the NHL comes to talk. This is Offside Hockey Talk. We'll see you on the next episode.